This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Botox Cosmetic. Out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red. A Wrexham FC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now, if you're new around here, make sure to subscribe. But enough of that. Let's get on with the show. Croissant, hello, welcome to the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham AFC podcast brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. Another week, another new signing, Elliot Lee arrives on a free and we're off to Alicante, I think it just about works. Um, Naif, on today's episode we'll get the lowdown on Wrexham's third signing of the summer, look ahead to the pre-season opener this weekend and bring you all we know about the mystery tour to Spain. Maybe we don't need to go to Spain, Nath, because warm weather training, just stay in Wrexham for next week. Yeah, it's absolutely boiling, isn't it? Um, and so we've got the sunny weather. And as I said, I went on a little shopping trip before, Rich, you know, kind of Wednesday shopping trip. Get myself a variety pack of crisp. Six packets uh, supposedly advertised. I come away with nine. So three more than I expected. And we've got three signings. Third signing, Elliot Lee, then. I, I think I was copping a little bit of flack on the Twitter space because I wasn't jumping around my bedroom and throwing the furniture around uh, that we'd signed Elliot Lee. But it, it is a brilliant signing, you know, whichever way you dice it up. I think Phil Parkinson's absolutely delighted to get him. He's coming in as a number 10. I think that was as important for Parkinson as it was for Elliot. And, uh, you know, anyone you speak to, we're going to hear from um, fans on him who he's already played for other clubs. And, yeah, he's just technically a very, very skillful player. The only thing is it... You know, on these rubbish pitches and, and will he get the time on the ball? I'm sure he will. He's a very gifted footballer. But yeah, we we're going to have Mullen Palmer, Elliot Lee and Jordan Davis in behind. Elliot Lee and Jordan Davis or one or the other. Who knows? So that'll be a debate for another day, Rich. But Elliot Lee on a free and he's off to Alicante. What a, you know, what a week we're having. Yeah, and I think that it's a really interesting one on Elliot because... He's joined the project at a later stage than the players who joined last year. So there's going to be this bedding in period. I think everyone that we signed said, you know, it takes a little while to get accustomed to the league. I know Aaron Hayden said that his slow start was because he was getting used to Vanarama life. Obviously, they've got to come to terms with the officials, the way the game's played in the in the fifth tier. 
And I actually think it suits Elliot well that he'll be joining a team where, yes, he's a massive signing. You know, he's joined from Luton. He's dro- dropped down from the Championship to the National League. And that is ridiculous. You don't often see that. But the beauty of it is that, you know, he is coming into a position where last season we had Jordan Davis, who was exceptional. And there won't be, I don't think, the same immediate pressure for Elliot to be scoring on his debut and being this catalyst next season. He's almost like that supplementary bonus buy. And I think we've got enough attacking power that hopefully, you know, pressure's eased on him a little bit when he comes in because there's got to be a lot of expectation given his CV. And I just think that it should hopefully benefit us in the fact that, you know, he he hasn't got all that weight on, on his shoulders. But I think he's got a really interesting signing because obviously he's coming in as number 10. He says that's his preferred role. He likes to play in just behind the striker. But I also think that he could play as one of the front two as well, almost like when Gerrard used to play off Torres for Liverpool. Mm. You've got Elliot Lee maybe playing off Palmer or Mullin if one of those is unavailable. So I think that he might have this desire to be the attacking midfielder. I do think we'll see him quite a lot as one of the front two, just because if you look at what Mullen was doing at the start of last season, he was doing all that selfless work for the team. He was drifting out wide, dropping back to win the ball, trying to link up play, but he didn't have anyone to link it up with until Palmer came. So I think that Elliot Lee at times can be almost not a Mullen replacement because he won't get the same amount of goals, but he can fill that sort of same similar role that Mullen had in the first half of last season, but with the added bonus that he's also got two football league strikers that he, he can play off in front of him. So really interesting. Um, we love a player who uh, talks a talk as well. And Elliot said that, you know, he's joined on a three-year deal and he wants two promotions in that time. Oof. I, one will be enough for me at this stage. I don't want to get too I'm salivating at the, I'm salivating at the thought of it. But what Rich, I think the, the, what the most interesting thing for him is that he probably wants to to play there's no reason no no surprise he wants to be that number 10 he probably wants to play in behind in that pocket of space where he he can pick a pass or you know whether his target will be once 10 15 goals I'm not sure whether he will be looking for that same return you'd imagine it'll still be Jordan on set pieces if he's playing it's it's just a really interesting addition and and I look at the players that have gone you think of the three that have come in you say Tyler French, who's getting his first minutes for Dundee tonight as we record this against Blackburn, he's gone. You've replaced him with Jordan Tunnicliffe. You've lost Dawid Suspeniak. Oh, well, we're never going to get that right, are we? Um, Polish Dave, he's gone in the goalkeeping department. You've gone and got Mark Howard. And now you've lost Dan Jarvis, who's gone to Gateshead, who we'll see you know, at some stage this season. Uh, and you've replaced him with with Elliot Lee, so you really cannot. If you look at Phil Parkinson's recruitment, it, uh, you know as a whole, very few you can pick holes in. Yeah, exactly, and it's what Parky said he wanted to address this summer. He said that he wanted to cherry pick the best talent and just bolster the squad in weaker areas by bringing in proven players, experienced players who can ensure that when we are missing one of our key men, we don't have that gulf in, in quality so apparent you know there's not a massive drop off so yeah really interesting one and I would also sort of say that Parkey's record of signing players okay it's not perfect but the players he has brought in have nearly all been a success yes people say what about Brisley okay he's a bit of an anomaly because we signed him thinking we probably won't get Bentoza but of the players we signed last summer 
most of them went in sort of our strongest 11. You know, they had real big impact. So I'm almost approaching this summer thinking, well, if Parky wants them, that's good enough for me. And Elliot Lee is a really interesting one. Again, it's just fascinating to, to sort of think how we're going to get him in that team. I know everyone who listens who's on Fan Hub will be thinking of ways like, how am I going to get that free pint at the start of the <laughs> season? And I suppose... In preseason, we should get a little hint at that. Anyone who's lucky to be going to the game this weekend should get a, a look at Elliot Lee firsthand as well. But I guess the truth is, Nath, myself and you don't know too much about Elliot Lee because we weren't watching Charlton last last season, week in, week out, which is probably a good thing, no offence. But um, <laughs> yeah, we have been catching up with some people who do know Elliot Lee a lot more than us. And I caught up with Charlton supporter, lifelong supporter, Tash Everett, who is also a Her Game 2 ambassador for the club. A really interesting chat at the end of the interview about that and how anyone listening to this can get involved and become Wrexham's ambassador for the Her Game 2 movement. We spoke about Lee and what Wrexham fans can expect from him next season. So, yeah, we're joined today by Tasha Everett, who is a long-time suffering Charlton fan, should we call you? Yeah, I think that's definitely fair enough. <laughs> and you got to see close-up last season, Elliot Lee. Yeah. What was the initial sort of reaction to you signing him from Luton on loan? Well, I think, to be honest, we were actually quite excited when you first signed. Um, a lot of the time, Charlton fans get excited, especially when there's a kind of nostalgic elements to our signings which we've had a lot of in the last couple of years but Elliot Lee's dad Robert Lee used to play for us um, so as soon as we kind of found out he was related to Robert Lee you know it was kind of a green light from us automatically anyway um, but you know he had a good CV obviously he started at West Ham I think and then you know he's been at Luton and Barnsley a couple other clubs around our sort of level so yeah it seemed a, it seemed a good signing at the time. And we mentioned that at the time. How did he sort of settle in? Were the first impressions good of him? Yeah, I think, you know, automatically you can see there's definitely a good player there. Um, I think from our perspective, you know, if we want to get out of League One, you need to have goals coming from your midfield, which is where we typically played it. Um, but, you know, in the first couple of games, I think he scored against Gillingham, actually. Um, and his brother was playing for Gillingham at the time as well. Um, but... I think from then on, he found it a bit difficult in front of goal. I don't know what quite what changed, but yeah, he almost lost that element to his game. Um, and although, you know, there'd be games where you could see that really good side of him come out, it wasn't quite consistent, I would say. And in terms of maybe how he was utilised then, you said, was he sort of a number 10? Was he attacking midfielder? Yeah, so you, normally you would probably play in the, in the middle of the park um, and try and offer something up to connect with the, with the strikers. But a lot of the time, as I say, he would get into good positions, but a lot of the time his his finishing product just wasn't there. I think he scored um, away for us at Wigan, uh, which I can't even remember. It must have been like February-March time when we were on a really bad run. Um, and we kind of thought, you know, whenever he scored and the whole time he did score, you think, ah, OK, I think he's going to kick on from here. He never quite, it just never quite clicked. And then we have, like, at the moment, we still have a problem with, we have loads of midfielders, um, which is a blessing and a curse, obviously. But, you know, so then ultimately he kind of got pushed out at the starting eleven. Um, even though in the beginning, if you'd have asked me when we signed him, I would have thought he would start week in week out. But 
that's not to, you know, put him down. I think there's definitely a good player there. Um, and certainly for Wrexham, I can see him doing a really good job. Was there many fans disappointed to see him not signed by Charlton this summer then? Or do you think he just sort of had his time and didn't really take it? I think I think in the end, I, I hate to say it because I did really like him. I thought he had a really good attitude and everything. Um, he obviously really loved being at the club that his dad had kind of, you know, started his career at. But yeah, I think in the end it was kind of, uh, we kind of understood why he wasn't signed again. Um, but I have to say I was like... I think to go to Wrexham, I think that's a, a brilliant signing for you both. I think for both him and for Wrexham, I think, because he could, in my opinion, play bottom half League One, top half League Two. So for you guys, I think, obviously, you know, and your new ownership, you're obviously investing for the future. So I think it's a really good move. And um, yeah, you mentioned that there. I was going to ask you what sort of level you think he's at. You do think that we have got a proper league footballer here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he. I think he got promoted with Luton from League Two when they obviously they've gone up the league now. But when they went on that, you know, double promotion spring, you know, I think he was a part of that. He played a pivotal role. And obviously, as I say, although overall we probably kind of underperformed to what he could have done for us. Ultimately, there is a good player there, and I think certainly for Wrexham, I think he do a really, really good job. Yeah, and I think he's he's not afraid to be a bit of a leader as well. Sometimes I would say, and he'll never, you know. I don't think he'll ever have bad feeling with the fans. He's always put the best foot forward. So. Yeah, like I said, I think every fan base wants players who buy into to what they're all about. Uh, yeah. Tash, one of the reasons we want to get you on as well is because of your involvement with Her Game 2. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah, so Her Game 2 started just over a year ago. Um, I think a lot of people think he's been around longer than that because it's got quite big quite quickly. I'm um, obviously partnered with like Premier League clubs as well as other clubs across the football pyramid but um, it's basically all about kind of just an anti-sexism campaign in football um, kind of one of the main things it does is to kind of uh, make people aware that women do unfortunately still suffer sexist abuse at football um, but there's also more kind of like positive and exciting side of it which is just making football more welcome for women and making sure that clubs you know make the experience on a match day as welcoming to them as possible, whether that's having stuff as, I know, like many men don't probably don't ever think about this, but having things like period supplies and toilets or just making sure that women are kind of, you know, encouraged to go to football like men are. And, you know, it's kind of gone from strength to strength. It's been recognised by, obviously, as I say, loads of Premier League teams, got a number of ambassadors, um, from each of the clubs. I think there's over 100 clubs now that are partnered with the campaign. Um, so, yeah, it's just going from strength to strength, really. But I think the end goal is to really see, like, obviously, there's <laughs> a long way to go with, like, other issues in football, such as, like, racism, homophobia. It doesn't happen overnight. But, yeah, the aim is one day for women to feel as welcome at football as men do. And in terms of anyone listening who wants to get involved with the project, uh, is there any way to do that you'd recommend? Yeah, so you can get in touch with the campaign. If you go on their website, which is literally just www.hergame2.co.uk, and you can get in touch on there. And either that, you know, if you want to put your club forward and become an ambassador. So for any Wrexham fans listening out there that want to get involved, you don't, the club don't have to be partnered with Hergame 2. You can actually get in there first and become an ambassador and then work on getting the club partnered with the campaign. Uh, or if you just simply want to keep up with it and yeah, see what's going on, then we're all over social media, so you can find us there too. 
right, so we've heard from Tash there, and a bit of a mixed bag, but uh, now we're going to hear from the other side of the coin, uh, specifically Luton Town, and it was my job, Rich looked after Tash, my job was to focus on Luton, and that was where Elliot really made his name at Luton, you know, we'll have seen, most of you will have seen now that he had two spells there, at the Luton West Ham, goes back for a second spell, and, you know, he played a key, key role in getting Luton from League Two up to the Championship where they are now. And, yeah, he's been released, but he's a key role. Not quite a legend, as we'll get on to uh, in this chat. But this is Dave Gregory from Owen the Town podcast. As I said then, introduction, uh, Dave has, has kindly come on to help us kind of get to know a little bit more about Elliot Lee. We're starting to uh, with all these kind of club media posts and everything, but oh, when the town podcast will know him far better than us. Dave is hosting that podcast. Dave, thanks for coming on. Elliot Lee, have we bagged probably the non-league sign of the summer? I I would say yes. I would say definitely yes. He's a tenacious little player. Uh, really good for us when he was playing for us. He was with us for five years. Um, I think he joined us on loan to start with for a season. And uh, he sort of, I think he even scored on his debut, actually, if I think if I think back to that. So he scored on his debut. He's, he's a great player. And definitely, and I, I don't mean this in any demeaning way at all, he's better than the division you're playing in. So he will be a big asset for you. you know, and he's not, he's, not, he's not a player that's coming in in his mid to late thirties, you know, this is 27 year old, clearly yeah. got a great affinity to Luton. We saw Luton's official account, wish him all the best, you know, after the move had been confirmed, I think he described it as a whirlwind experience. He was a player that's come in and said, look, I want to take Wrexham to where Luton are now to the championship. Can I get them two promotions? Was, was he as central to those promotions for Luton as we're led to believe just on the, on the face of it? Um, when we was in League Two and League One with us, he was a key player at times. He played um, behind the back, to, uh, behind the front two. Uh, he scored some brilliant goals. He he made some fantastic passes. He's a tenacious player when he's out there. So yeah, um, he was part of a really good team and he was a really good member of it. So I can't see him being anything but that for you. We spoke to him a, a couple of weeks ago on our podcast. Uh, if you haven't mm. seen it already on YouTube, go check it out. Um, and he said he was looking for a project like he had at Luton Town. He was looking for that ambitious club. He was looking for a club that really wants to move on and progress. And I think he's found it in Wrexham. I really do. I mean, let's be fair. They they should have made it last season, right? I think he should have made yeah. it last season. And yeah. I know that he wants to contribute. He doesn't want to be a bit part player. He wants to be on that pitch, performing well, and doing what he does best, which is uh, supporting the front and popping in a few goals. And you'll be you'll be pleased to see him. I think there was one game at Luton. Yeah, I'm, go on, go for it. Yeah. No, I was going to say that episode did did catch the eye once once Elliot Lee's name was starting to circle. I think I've seen that clip of him saying, "Look, I'm just looking for a project." We all hate that word, but it's it's what people use. And and as much as I despise that word, it is one that fits Wrexham right now. You know, the two Hollywood owners that are trying to lift the club. You know, we we, we talk about Luton or when we get former players, and we have done. And, and we always talk about 10 years ago or, or whatever when we played Luton regularly and we had some great battles. You're now a championship side that flirted with the Premier League. And so for us to get a player who, albeit was released from from yourselves, to get a player to drop all the way down to 
Division Five is, I guess, a testament to, to what we can offer right now and, and and the squad we're building. Paul Mullin, Ollie Palmer, uh, Ben Tozer, all these players, Tom O'Connor dropping out the league. I guess the question for a lot of Wrexham fans is, what is Elliot Lee's best position? Because we've seen him, you can see he can play as a second striker, he could probably play wide as a number 10. We play a 3-5-2 that... Two, you know, two front men and, and that one yeah. in behind. Yeah. We've got a local lad who played there, Jordan Davis, but we can't really foresee a situation where Elliot Lee is coming to to play second fiddle to to anyone. Well, you wouldn't want to think he was, and I think he he wants to play badly. He he wants to play so badly. He doesn't want to play badly. Obviously, he wants to play. Yeah, he, he doesn't want to be this bit part player. So I would say that he would drop in behind your front too. But he will go anywhere. He's played on the left before. Not his best position. Um, so I'd be thinking supporting your front two. That's the position. That's his best position. He sees things really, really well, and he and he scores the odd cracking goal. And he will score for you, and he, he will definitely score for you in in the league that you're playing in. Hundred percent, he will do that. Um, yeah, you know, like when when uh, he was out of favour at our club when um, Nathan Jones left and Graham Jones came in. He was out of favour with Graham Jones again. That's he he lists all that on on the podcast we spoke to him about. But when Nathan, uh, Nathan Jones came back, he was immediately brought back into our team. So it shows you what that manager thought he could do. And we had that little six-game run where we was really trying to, you know, survive. And he came in and he played a huge part in that, a huge part. And it was like we had a new player on the pitch. It was brilliant. So I can't see him not performing for Wrexham. I'd be very disappointed for, for him and yourselves if he doesn't become what we've seen him be at our club and, and what is you know obviously we saw got a lot of well wishes when it you know the club did when it got announced you know is he someone that will will, will live on for the fans you know he had a good chunk we don't tend to see players stick around for that long nowadays at clubs is he a, got that cult hero status or am I kind of massaging it a little bit well you could say it's massaging it it's very hard we have this conversation who's a club legend all the time on our podcast and mm. uh, one we talk about a lot is Pelly Ruddock, who was with us during non-league time and he's still with us. Um, Elliot came along a little bit later. Sometimes he was overshadowed by his brother occasionally. Um, I, I remember he scored a brilliant goal in a game. Uh, and the, the, I think it was Cambridge, who we beat 7-0. But his brother scored from the, across the halfway line, so they don't remember his goal, you know, that sort of thing. So... Um, yeah, he's a, he's a decent, decent signing for you guys. Really decent. I'd be very surprised if you don't like him. Very surprised. Yeah. Is, he, is he cult legend at our place? I wouldn't say that, but he's well yeah. thought of. Yeah, he seems he seems he seems a lovely lad. And you know, when you look at some of the moments he had, like you say, he's chipped in with some. I'd say some key goals. I think I'm thinking of the one uh, that saved, kept kept you up against. Uh, who am I thinking on? Huddersfield was it? Maybe you'll correct me if I'm wrong on that. He, Huddersfield. It, yeah, it was a and, cracking. Cracking yeah. moment. We're watching COVID on the screens at home and uh, cheering like we was at the stadium. It was brilliant, you know. Yeah, and, and but what what's your kind of best memory then of, of Elliot Lee? Because we're hoping to make plenty uh, going into the season. Hopefully, starting with Eastleigh at home. You know, we're expecting him to play a key role. Obviously, loads to choose from for you. Got you through League Two or helped play a part in getting you out of League Two, getting you out of League One into Championship. Any moment or two that stands out. It's very difficult for me to say that because one of my age, because my memory is terrible. Huh. <laughs> but but um, I can go back to that Cambridge game and say he scored yeah. such an absolute worldie that game. Um, 
it's difficult to say. I just, when he was playing, he was always confident he would create something. So I can't literally pick out any sure. moment and say, that is the moment I thought, wow, he's, he's kind of cool. Um, but when he cracks in a, a superb goal, you know, it, it is a sight to see. And he does score quite, quite worldly goals at times. So I'm going to go with that moment that he scored when his brother scored from the halfway line. However, <laughs> however, you know, he, he contributes more than just goals. And I think that's the point. Um, when he came back for those six games, when he came back from those six games, he was on it the whole time. You know, he was he was all over the park and he was he was doing his job perfectly. So you could say in that little stint where Graham Jones left and Nathan Jones came back and we survived, he was a top player there. And uh, you've got an absolute gem, I hope. And and we said finally before we come on, like I say, definitely go and listen to Oh When the Towns podcast with Elliot Lee. I'll put, actually put that in the description because it's very good and and much more extensive than than we will have time with Elliot right now. Uh, it's an odd one because Luton was such a good ri- rivalry for us for for many years, and I guess kind of I would say passing ships, but we've been stationary in the dock for <laughs> for a long time, and you, you've kind of sailed off into the distance. Talking before we come on about Luton and Wrexham, again, any you know we had so many great games. Anyone for you being there watching those games that stood out? We've many a trip to Kenilworth Road for us, and I'm sure many a trip to the racecourse for you. There's one at Kenilworth Road I I, I want to instantly forget, and <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to mention that one, although I sort of ever inadvertently have. Um, I generally there when we beat Hull to promotion and winning the league, uh, and we came to your place. I think we went one nil down. And then we got two goals back and the atmosphere for us was like we needed Hull to lose at um, Walsall, I think. Mm. And it sort of filtered through. They were losing and we won the division. So that, for me, was the best time I've come to your ground. Um, home, you know, there was a 4-3 that I've sort of played on. But that, like you say, there was always tight, weren't they? They were never, they were never going to the playoff, the playoff semi-final when we came to your place and... Uh, grab some great goals there so when you win when you win somewhere it's lovely when you go and you witness the defeat you just sit there and go really um so the rivalry the rivalry was there wasn't it it was definitely there yeah and it was definitely um exciting when we was in that position but you know what when we got promoted we couldn't dream of what's happened to us And, and two promotions in one season is from good management and good recruitment and if you've got that at your club there's no reason why you guys can't do it too so I would say, um, genuinely, you know, it's a long time in that non-league you've been there and it's time to move up. And, you know, maybe you've got that momentum and hopefully it happens and you get back into the football league because Wrexham, when I was growing up, were always a football league team. And, you know, I remember playing them in other divisions, not just the conference and, and uh, you know, League One or whatever it was called when we played each other last, you know. So, you know, why not give it a go? and get in there and come up and enjoy another game at Kenilworth Road when we're both knocking on the Premier League door or maybe we've got there. Who knows? I mean, as we expect then, Rich, you know, glowing, glowing endorsement. A player that should, should be in the keyword, should, should really be... You know, one of the most creative players in this division. You know, we look at, I think we had that kind of rumour mill going for so long, didn't we, about Joe Sparrow and and players of that ilk. There's no reason why Elliot Lee can't 
can't replicate Jordan and take the load off him. And they should be able to push each other because he sounds like he's a player that's good on the edge of the box. Like you say, can play as a as a striker, can play even out wide if if we do sort of change the system, a plan B. We saw we saw at times last season was it Wilston away where he went to a flat back four. Well, what was striking on a, on a little tangent, Rich? I, I was thinking about this this week when the deal was announced. You know, what does it mean for people in the squad now, like a Liam McAlinden or a Dior, or are they where they were before the deal was announced? You know, is someone like McAlinden is his hope now that we don't go and get another left wing back, and he's the backup to McFadden, or or has he still got a sniff of getting meaningful minutes in attacking positions? I'm really really not sure what the future means for for some players that were already fairly low down the order. Yeah, again, it almost brings me back onto the sort of Brisley conundrum that, like last like last season, we've almost kept players, I feel like, Dior and McAlinden around, almost just in case we don't get the players we want. And now you do wonder what is their role. They, they'll they probably play in the domestic cup competitions, they might play in some of the midweek matches, you know, for, for squad rotation purposes, but... It's a, it's a really interesting one. I, I I just don't know, to be honest. But I think that it's better for us, now that we've got the finances and we've got the resources, it is better for us just to be greedy and gluttonous and probably bolster the team beyond almost as much as we, we do need to this summer, just because we saw last season that we fell short because we didn't quite have that squad depth. We we became a bit sluggish in, in the latter games of the season. Yes, we had this fixed formation. We had the, the strongest starting 11 that you could predict every week. But a result, a sort of consequence of that was the fact that the players were getting tired and they weren't lasting the full 90 as much. And I think competition for places can only, only do you good. And I think that... Worst case is someone like Elliot Lee comes in and he doesn't hit the ground running, but Jordan Davis does. So I think that it was a signing again that just sort of really does prove we mean business next season because, like I said, we could have rested on our laurels because since January, we've had the best attack in non-league. It's been incredible to watch what we've got. But Parkey knows that there won't be any excuses next season we have to go up the amount of money we've put in we yeah. have to go up and I think if we don't no matter the circumstance Parky probably has to go because he yeah. will have spent so much money had two seasons and not taken us up in that case so I think that from his own sort of insurance policy he had to sign someone like Lee yeah and it'll be interesting to see the lineups at Nantwich at the weekend I mean I know you were on in terms of the day job you were looking at after Man United Liverpool in, in their first sort of pre-season outing and as you said, I think you put a tweet saying it's only preseason. You can't read too much into it. And while you know we, we won't be overreacting massively either Trust way, me, the United to the fans result. <laughs> well, you know, you know our, our game against Nantwich at the weekend. I know that'll be a good crowd there. You know, what kind of lineups? I always think about this. Do, do you want to see a a mixed lineup? I'd quite like to see a mix of what will probably be the first and first eleven. You know, I don't just want to see a full first eleven in this first game. And then kind of the rest, if you know what I mean. I'd like to see maybe a mix of, say, Tony Cliff in there with maybe Max, maybe Harry Lennon or, or Max and Bentoza or whoever, just to mix it up. Maybe have Palmer, sorry, Palmer in one game, Mullen in, Palmer in one half, Mullen in another. I'm assuming they'll do two squads, 45 minutes each. You know, maybe get Elliot Lee in there in one side, get Jordan in there in another. Because it'll be about finding 
partnerships. I know you've got to build partnerships as well, build chemistry, but this is the first out and this is definitely a, a minutes in the legs, minutes in the tank. You know, can we see Jake Hyde and Ollie Palmer maybe? And can we see Mullin, maybe you do Mullin Lee and Davis, something like that. There's a lot of options. We've got Young there, Jones, O'Connor, you know, Mark Howard will play in one. You'd imagine Rob Lane's play, well, Rob Lane's won't play, it'd be Dibble in the other. You know, so many options, Rich. I mean, any kind of particular partnership you'd like to see? Yeah, that's a really good point there. I, I think I'd love to see Lennon back on the pitch, um, just see how he's holding up. Obviously, missed the majority of last season, so I'd, I'd like to try and and get to I'm not sure if Nantwich, thinking back, if I didn't do recently, I think Parky said it was a, it's a slow one for him. They're not rushing him back, but if he is able to play against Nantwich, that'd be great. But yeah, exactly. I, I, that's what I mean. Yeah. I think that maybe if he doesn't start, just give him ten minutes at the end so he can get that confidence boost of right and back on the pitch now. Because when players return from injury, the ones I've spoken to, there's the psychological barrier you've got to get through where there's this. For some players, I can't speak for everyone, of course. There's this almost pessimism in the head of. If I kick the ball now, am I gonna go down again? What's gonna happen? I think mm. that it's almost symbolic for for them just to return, get that first ten minutes done under the belt, and then you can move on. You've officially made your comeback. Then you might not have played mm. the first game, but I think just a confidence boost and a confidence boost for Harry that you know we've stuck by him and we still believe in you. You were at times the best centre back we had last season, and. You know, the club could have binned him off. They could have been ruthless in the summer and said, they could have been. you're injury prone, we don't want you. But Parky wants to give him a chance to prove his fitness. So I'd like to see him involved at some point, even put him on the bench if he doesn't come on, just get him back into that routine properly, make him still feel a real part of, of what's going on. And interesting one on Max there, I also think he should get some minutes because for him, he's just had an incredible breakout season and then Wrexham signed another incredible football league centre-back so your place is in jeopardy and again it would be another show of faith in Max if he gets some minutes this this weekend I suppose the same can be said for Jordan you know Elliot Lee's arrived yeah. Jordan Davis needs to prove why he's still the poster boy for Wrexham and then you want to see Elliot Lee because fans want new signings and I think Mullen and Palmer will both want to try get on the score sheet they'll be having a competition with one another to see who can outscore the other over a full season you know because they didn't get the chance to and in goal is going to be a really interesting yeah. one for me because it's just it's just for me it's just for me Rich about you know mixing mixing the groups up you know I'd like to see maybe Hayden in one half Tozer in another rather than just probably who we think is going to be it in yeah first rather game. than the strongest eleven and the you know come Macclesfield come Macclesfield I want to see that team that will play it easily you know bar any last minute huge signing you know but that this isn't the Macclesfield game this is just the first match. You know, other teams have had one or two games already. You know, at Nantwich, it's the first chance the players would have had to play a meaningful game, as, as much as pre-season can be meaningful, you know, not squad A v squad B in training. I'd just like to see some different looks of, you know, we we haven't seen Hyde and Palmer to, together, you know, really, have we? Because Mullin was playing with him. Mullin and, you know, can, can put Mullin and Lee up there together, maybe? Mullin and Angus, or just just different looks, really. You know, could we get Tony Cliff next to uh, next to Aaron Hayden, or all these type of things, mate? So that was what I was thinking. But it, yeah, goalkeeping one is fascinating because, as we know, that Rob Lainson is still making his comeback. All roads are paid for Mark Howard to be the number one, and we don't have squad numbers or anything yet. But number one for the Easter game, at least, even if not by number, at least by position. 
Yeah, and um, there's just so much excitement, and I think it's just it has felt like a long break now since we've watched Wrexham, and I know we'll get onto uh, what we know about the preseason trip to Spain in a minute, but Nantwich this weekend is a real chance for it to to feel real again and for fans to you know get excited again ahead of the season because it's gonna be here before we know it and I just can't wait to see Wrexham back in action sadly I won't be able to get to Nantwich this weekend I'm not gonna be able to make it to any of the preseason games now um but it's just great that Wrexham are back in action in by the time you've heard this two days time less than two days time so yeah bring it on I can't wait this is the start of what is hopefully the promotion season so just enjoy it, savour it, and just we've got such a talented squad of players. We just got to enjoy it while we can. And I presume the fact that the home kit's not been released yet, we'll be playing in our sky blue away kit this weekend. Hopefully the surely the home kit will be released before we go away, but you never know these things. In terms of this trip to Spain then, there's a few things that we do know, a few things that we probably can't say at this time because, you know, they've not been officially announced. But what do we know about Spain as Wrexham prepare to to go away to Alicante next week and we still don't officially know at the time of recording, which is half seven on Wednesday night, who they're even going to be playing in five days' time? Yeah, um, it's been a lot of back and forth conversations this week about news when will it come about when will it come out i know a lot of people are very frustrated and i think rightfully frustrated with the trip um you know i saw somebody point out to me that brighton had a similar situation where only a couple of days before they they confirmed the details um you know now with retrospect would it have been better to have announced it as just a warm weather training camp and then you know turned around and said oh fans are now eligible to come in maybe maybe not we might have found fault in that if they'd have done it that way so what we do know is that one of the two games the second of the two games will be against uh a under 23 side uh, a premier league under 23 side so um that has been announced obviously lots of clubs are heading to spain so one of those clubs will be putting their under 23s against us as for the first game, I have no idea, Rich. I'm not even going to pretend that I'm in the know. I have absolutely no clue. Um, and as you say, it's it's 7.30 on a Wednesday night. Um, and, and we know absolutely nothing about who we're playing in five days' time. And when we next record, it will be after Nantwich and after uh, the, the first game, the mystery game, whether that is against. What we do know is where the squad is staying. It's a very, very plush golf resort, Rich, which is... A little bit out of Alicante. It's got a very sort of Love Island name, hasn't it? It it has. It has got a Love Island name. So if anyone is curious uh, and is heading over there, I know a few people are heading to Benidorm and Alicante. Players are heading to the Campo Amor Golf Resort, which is, you know, I've spoken to a few people around the squad. It's a a lovely lovely resort and I'm 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 sure they're probably not going to get to use all the facilities. It sounds like a very packed out schedule for for what Parkey and Dave Jones and the rest of the coaching staff have got laid out for them, Owen Jackson and others working on their strength and conditioning. But, you know, it's a resort that boasts four FIFA standard pitches. You know, it's home to a lot of different teams right now. Getafe have just played Preston there. Getafe won uh, that match 2-1, but there were a lot of Preston fans at Campo and more. 
for that game. Well, that's an important uh, point, isn't it, Nate? That this Campo Moor has a one and a half thousand seater stand. Yeah, that's supposedly yeah. According to according to their, their website, they they can uh, I've got a capacity of fifteen hundred. So you know, Preston looked like they had a very big turnout there. Might not have been fifteen hundred, but they did have a good showing of fans there. You know, I know a lot of the lads are, are big into their golf. We had Cam Green on on the podcast, and he said there were quite a few keen golfers in there. Luke Young among them, Jordan Davis among them. So. If they do get downtime, I'm sure they'll get some. You know, it's a 18-hole golf course there, par 72, which is quite apt given it's the start of the Open when this is released, our 150th Open Championship. You know, all your normal stuff: pool, jacuzzi, three tennis courts. Are you a rep? Uh, apartments. By chance, Dave? Like, you Am get, I a rep? You get paid Would for I have this? made a good rep? Is there a Would mini I have bar? made a good rep? Would I have made a good rep? I don't know. I, don't, I reckon I'd be uh, quite a good rep. I've got the charisma to be a. We've just sold it to me. I wasn't. Going I mean, to go there you now, go. But... Campo or more, Campo or more, mate. But I, what I will say is, anyone who is staying in Benidorm or Alicante, it is. It, what, I, what I will say is, I don't know if the games are are being held there like Preston's was. That you know, put that out there. I don't know for sure if the games are being held there or they're being held elsewhere. If they are there, uh, it the, you know there will be frustration and, and disappointment at that because it is, you know, an hour drive from. Alicante, yeah, or, or from it might even be further from Benidorm. So, look, I know people have spent great expense to get there. What I will say is, I hope that lessons are learned for next season. And I get that you know I can understand it was a late finish to the season and an earlier start. We were having to act on the fact that we might have got to the final and everything being delayed. People thought maybe US was on the cards. That wasn't the case. What I will say is if the US is on the cards next year and it is this Philadelphia trip, you'd hope that there's a lot more prior notice. I know, as, as well, as much as possible or things are set in stone when that first announcement is made, you know. So um, we can always, we you know, we can improve as much as anyone else, Rich. So I hopefully that the club can definitely learn from this because I know they're they're fully aware of the, the kind of flack they're getting. And, and like I say, from my perspective... I could totally understand fans' frustrations. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a mess, really. Yeah, and like we said, we had the um, email, didn't we, last week from supporters, or was it the Facebook post from supporters who now have the Facebook, yeah, yeah. taking their own sort of transportation issues and they need to get themselves catered for really well in advance because you know it's difficult to get accessible transport, uh, you know, arranged in in a foreign country at such short notice. So it's just almost the way it's it's been handled for me you either don't even sort of hint that fans are invited you know some fans will go on their own accord and they, they will always try to find a way to watch Wrexham because they've got so much passion for it but it felt to me when it was officially announced like the club was saying yeah come along watch Wrexham in Spain and make the most of this warm weather break for, for a week and there just maybe wasn't it wasn't advanced enough for that to actually be offered because we're now at a stage where even if the announcement is made by the time you've listened to this podcast, it's still, you know, four or five days which away. Would be, which would be typical for us, Rich. Oh, God, which yeah, I'm expecting it. <laughs> the reason we record this podcast is because no one got a look. It will actually get announced. So, you know, this is almost yeah. us trying to jinx it. But, yeah, it's just a really difficult one because I do understand from the club's point of view, if there's nothing they can officially confirm then they can't put it out there because that's a bad luck look and you know it's just not the way you go about things you've got to be given just 100% genuine information that you can you can bank upon but it's just an awkward one isn't it and 
like I said, no, they can't be pulling. They can't be pulling an old fixture release like me, can they? So they've got to be. They've got to be right. But you also, you know, both both sides can feel aggrieved. You know what I mean? The club can feel like they're copping too much heat, but also fans can feel like, come on, it's five days away now by the time of this record. And you know, I get that there's a lot of things that need to happen, confirmations on both sides and back and forths and no confirmation, and it's just frustrating for all involved but look to be honest I, I, we've spoken about Alicante in Spain so much that I'll be glad to see the back of this tour I'm sure we'll be excited when we see you know pictures and video of the, the players out there but you know I'll be I'll be, glad, I'll be glad to see the back of it get to that Macclesfield game and and be on the eve of the, of the season to be honest Rich yeah I know what you mean it's just tiresome isn't it really and you just want the new season to start and of course there's the excitement about Wrexham's new signings, as we mentioned, uh, Elliot Lee becoming the third signing. And, you know, the new signings bring optimism. There is the belief that this could finally be the squad. This could finally be the year that, that Wrexham do get out of the National League. But not every signing works out, does it, Nath? And about a week ago now, we took to social media and we posed the question to supporters about which player arrived with the most expectation but failed to deliver on the pitch. And, wow, there were some throwbacks, weren't there, on this list? Um, I mean, I went for myself to, to start us off. Nicky Devidix, Bobby Grant, who I thought was going to tear the world apart at Wrexham. I remember watching him early on in his career and thinking, wow, this is a player, his movement's phenomenal. He, If he, you know, if he gets a service, he's going to fire us uh, to promotion. Didn't quite uh, work that way. But the list goes on i don't think we've ever had a tweet before that sort of ever had quite so many replies and you know there was a few familiar faces there i mean ian rush was a very popular one simply because you know yeah. he did arrive with so much hype this is ian rush one of the greatest goal scorers in the history of welsh football an absolute legend an icon of the game and it just didn't work out for him at all um mike fondop Ferdinand Tahiki, Jonathan France, <laughs> that, that's, Jason that's Oswell. The Ferdinand one's ridiculous. Like, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry, but I, I did. I actually pulled... Was it Craig who put that one? I haven't got the tweet in front of me, but I, I think it was Craig who just puts a lot of good stuff out on Wrexham. But I pulled him out, and he was he was trying to say, oh, those people saying in, in Germany was it that he was good. My one was JJ Hooper, who I thought was... You know, we, we'd been a, a, little bit, a little bit cursed. He's underselling it, really, with strikers that we'd had everyone seemed to do a lot better when they left us um JJ Hooper arrived you know he'd done he'd done fairly well at Grimsby done well at Bromley and I honestly thought he was he was going to tear it up 20 plus goals and uh, yeah it didn't uh that one didn't pan out but yeah the rich there were loads in it was like, Devontae Redmond was another popular one which you know we were sold this dream I know I was part of the Devontae Redmond hype train myself trying to give him the benefit of the the doubt whenever he he got a rare cameo for Wrexham but just didn't work out for him at all. Darren Kempson, Kemi Augustine, Isla McLeod. Kemi Augustine, wow. I mean, because his pedigree was unbelievable. Premier League. Yeah, Tom Taylor. Yeah. Stuart Buxton said, Tom Taylor, nobody expected what we got. The single most bizarre signing in the history of the club. Wow. I saw someone but Darren Kempson. Some real... Uh, who else we got? Edward Greening said, not... Silvio Span saw his 40-yard free kick when he signed Silvio it. I'd expect Span. him to save our league status single-handedly. Someone but Cherno Samba. Cherno Samba, he was quality for me, a football manager. There are loads of great names. And, and as always, do follow us on Twitter 
uh, at Rob Ryan Red. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Rob Ryan Red. Uh, loads of graphics going out across both of those. Um, and you can one email that we can us say now as well, Nave. What? Go on. Oh, Tyler, go on. George, George Jones said Tyler French might be a bit unpopular, but ah well. And since then, Tyler French has left and signed for another club, hasn't he? Wow. Since this post went yeah. out. So, yeah, so, maybe George Jones knows, but like Nave said, Rob Brown Red <laughs> on Twitter, Rob Brown Red at gmail.com, Rob Brown Red on Instagram. And yeah, we've got some more graphics coming out. I know you put the latest uh, sort of trivia Tuesdays, are we calling them? Yeah, what did I call it? Tuesday trivia. They're quite, they're quite good fun, I think, Rich. They looks a nice graphic and just, just a bit of a teaser to kind of fill preseason. I think I'm going to do it up until that first game against Eastleigh, and then I need to just focus on on what's going on week to week. But it's a good little filler. Some really interesting names. They're getting slowly harder, I would say. I think people are openly admitting they're using Wikipedia now, which is good because people are getting the answers far too quickly. Uh, but go and have a look back of there. The recent one included. These are one of the players, Rich, for the recent one. I'll give you the teams and see if you get it. Um, option D on here was uh, Chelsea, Leicester, Burnley, Huddersfield and Lincoln. I'm out. You're out. It's an old school. Well, you know, if a listener doesn't know that one, a few people have already tweeted us the answer. Go to at Rob Ryan Red, let us know. And yeah, get involved. Tuesday trivia, uh, name that player. So all good fun. Yeah, sounds good. And of course, Nath, we have got some other sort of club news to bring you. Um, for me, sat in the tech end, good to know that there'll be a new scoreboard in place for the new season, which... You know, I've always sort of campaigned that the scoreboard, that for, in my opinion, while the cop has been in disarray, there should have been a big scoreboard on the cop where everyone can see mm. it. But work is nearing completion on the installation of a new scoreboard at the university end, the tech end of the racecourse ground, following the removal of the old scoreboard. Of course, the old video scoreboard was not even working last season. So you know, it was a much needed change. And of course, for sponsorship issues and being able to sort of give stadium notices and and in play updates as well it's essential that you have a scoreboard in place and yeah that has finally um been put in place and of course there's also ongoing building works including those to the players area in the Wrexham Lager stand the ticket office the 1864 partners lounge the director director's box and a new wheelchair accessible viewing platform in the away end so there's still plenty um happening at the at the club this summer maybe not as many new arrivals did, as some fans are hungry for but rich did you see did you see that tweet sorry i have to bring it up did you see that tweet i'm going to give him credit um joe wxm at indiana joe ftg now uh, someone had snapped a picture we were tagged in it oh yeah snapped a picture of two men getting into getting into a car outside the front outside the sort of the main entrance on the Mold Road side. And, and the question was asked, is this Tom Lowry of Crew, um, who I was told recently had a trial at Ipswich. So we'll see where he ends up going, his future. I know he's someone that fans would love to see come through the door. Anyway, so we were asked, is this Tom Lowry? Now, Joe has gone to the extreme. While he was later corrected that it wasn't the car he said, he said, uh, this is a Volvo XC40. They're 166 centimetres ground to roof, and Lowry is 168 centimetres tall. The player in the photo is noticeably taller than the car, so that's unlikely to be him. Is it then likely to be 185 centimetres tall, Jordan Turnbull? One thing is for sure, I need to get a social life, maybe even a hobby. 
I mean, we need to up our game. We need to be comparing players to cars, ground to floor. So if anyone has got the skill to do that other than Joe, let us know because I thought that, that tweet made me laugh a lot, actually, uh, even though it wasn't the car that he said. Uh, very enjoyable nonetheless. Yeah, that is proper. That's <laughs> snooping, that isn't that as good. That is, uh, yeah, sort of Sherlock Holmes-esque, I'd say. I mean, for yeah, I know. That's, yeah, Sherlock and Watson would be proud of that one, I think. It's almost worrying that he, he was able to find that out and, and make that, that sort of comparison, but, you know, Fair play to him, incredible. Um, maybe if you can do some digging on who we're playing next Tuesday, that would be greatly appreciated. Maybe find out which team it is, what cars they drive, that would be useful. Um, but yeah, as we said, it's been a, a weird week following Wrexham. We've got the new signing. We're still no clearer to what's happening next week, but we know Wrexham will be playing matches. And as Nave said, we will be back next week to look back on the game against Natwich and look back on whoever it is we're facing on Tuesday. And of course, look ahead to that game against the Premier League youth side uh next weekend a week on saturday as well is it week on saturday yeah um so that is all we have time for today on rob ryan red the rex and afc podcast brought to you in association with red 10 people development as always if you enjoyed the stings the music that we use in the podcast that is in association with rex and bass band hypnotic um like we said their links are in the description as well please do be sure to check them out naif Thank you, as always, for joining me today on Rob Ryan Red. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, let's hope for some interesting analysis from these games, Rich, because, you know, we've been starved of football. We're finally going to get some and, yeah, excited for it. New season is upon us. The new season is upon us indeed. Like we said, by the time we record next, Wrexham will have played twice. We'll have plenty to get our teeth into. Stay safe. Enjoy the sunshine wherever you are. And stick with us at Rob Ryan Red. Take care, enjoy your week. I will see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got butt for double dipping and you steal a last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.